you know, we've been in a giant series, haven't we? What series have we been in so far this year? Year of the Bible, you know what I mean? And if you're trekking with us, reading the Bible, you're about through. And that's good. And you're probably changed. And so, you know, we, we, we just take uh, from the prior week's reading, and then we just share something out of that. We're going to do that today. But, you know, we've been talking over the last several months. We've just talked a lot about faith, haven't we? I mean, a lot about faith, because faith is essential to what we do, how we live. It's essential to our, our, our well-being. And we, we've talked a lot about that, but, we, you know, today we want to talk a little bit about faith and how it shows, how, how, what's the public idea of faith? How, how do you know someone has faith? You know, it's, it's like Jan and I, when, when we got saved back in 1980, I mean, you know, look, we got radically saved. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we didn't like, uh, we didn't like, you know, get saved and wonder, is this real? I'm under, you know, we just got really right with God. Matter of fact, the, the first church service we were ever in after we got saved I remember sitting in that church and, and going on, and the guy that led me to the Lord was sitting on the side of me, and about, about a quarter of the way through this thing, I, I, I said, Daryl, I said, how long has this been going on? <laughs> now, you, I know you, you church folk, you, you think, how could that be? But people who never knew God a day in their life, we are up in this place and it feels, this is what it feels like, this is what it looks like, you know, when the church is alive. And man, we felt this thing. I said, how long has this been going on? I said, how long has what been going on? I said, how long has somebody been standing up in front of a room like that and, and, and speaking and preaching us out of, out of the Bible? And he just snickered. He said, man, that's been going on a long time. Well, you know, I mean... It, it just, we just exploded. You know, the good thing about uh, what happened to us is that we, we didn't need anybody to tell us what to do. It was, it was amazing. I mean, like getting water baptized, you know, uh, getting water baptized, we, we, we hunted down the preacher, the pastor, and we said this. We said, we, we need to be water baptized. And then, then, then we, we, we left that church because it was way out, out of town, you know, and we, we came to our local town, our local church, and we found a church there. And I remember the, the, one of the first days going into the church, I, I caught the pastor. He must have thought we were lunatics because I asked him, I said, uh, you know, his name is Ed, Brother Ed. We used to call him Brother Ed. I said, what can I do to help around here? And after he got up off the floor, <laughs> <laughs> he said, I don't know. I said, well, I, I'll pick up sticks. D those limbs out back, do you need somebody to do that? We just were on fire, alive in God, and it produced in us the, the desire to do something in the kingdom of God. We didn't know that's what it meant. We didn't know anything about the kingdom of God. We didn't even know God had a kingdom, to be quite honest with you. We just knew this one thing, that we once was lost, but now we're found, was blind, but now we see. And once I saw, once we saw, we decided, let's get with it. So as we start talking about faith and, and, and today kind of contrasting faith and works or good deeds, I just want to open up our hearts to God. Can we do that? And, and let's, let's pray today in the name of Jesus and let's pray and let's believe that, that today we are going to be moved from where we are, at least a degree into a different direction. 
What do you think about it? How many would agree with that, that it would be good to move just a little bit, just a little bit? Come on, just, just a little, even at Long Beach, just a little bit. We're going to move just one degree in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the life we found in Christ, and we thank you that you love us, you care for us, and that, God, if you're for us, then nobody can be against us. And so, God, we ask you to touch our hearts today. We open up our hearts to you, God. We, we submit our wills to you right now, and we ask you to teach us something and move us, Lord God, as we submit to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So this thing about works and faith, you know, it's, it's been controversially over the years. It's been even, you know, some, some people thinking, you know what, man, do, do we have a contradiction uh, in what God teaches us? Because if you remember back when we were in, in Ephesians, and I'm sure you remember that exact message that we preached out of the book of Ephesians, where we talked about being saved and being saved by grace. And so I wanted to read that just kind of set the stage here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Bible says, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kingdom to us, uh, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So, so here it, it, it establishes that we're saved by grace, which means that you can't, you can't work because a lot of people got it all mixed up. You know, they, they, I'm going to work for salvation. If I'm good, if I give, I do something right, if, if I suffer uh, in this life, I'm going to be saved. And, and a lot of people believe that. But here he says, you're saved by grace. Just God says, here it is, a free gift. If I took out my wallet and I took out $10 and I gave it to one of you in, in your seat, I, just, I gave it to you, a free gift. You didn't do anything for it. Would you say that was a gift? It was an absolute gift. And it's amazing. We don't, we don't think anything about it. If somebody gives us a gift, it's, it's free. I didn't do anything. Thank you so much. I can't believe you. you, you why, why did you give me? I just love you, man. I just, I just want to bless you. Oh, thank you so much. And you receive it. But when it comes to God saying, here is salvation. Here is forgiveness of your sin. Here is a new life in Christ. I want to give it to you. Somehow or another, we feel like we've got to earn it. And we especially try to earn it through being good. Isn't that right? You know, you know it's that way. You know when you're good, you feel real good. But then in James chapter 2, we come along and it seems like James is bringing another side of the coin. You know, he's like flipping the pancake over. And he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? 
And we would say, not very much good at all, huh? Look, if it's 30 degrees outside and I'm cold and I need a coat and you have a coat to give me and you don't give me a coat and you just tell me, be warm. <laughs> hey, bro, be warm. Hey, bro, be filled. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, be filled. What good is that? And everybody said, no good. It's no good. It doesn't help at all. And that's what James is saying. He says this. He says, uh, he says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. He just says it straight out, dead faith. That word dead means dead, unproductive, useless, dead. He says, but someone will say, and there always is someone, you have faith, I have deeds. And then he says, well, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. He's just laying it down. He said, all right, let's see. Now, we both say we have faith. So you show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. In other words, my faith is going to be visible to anyone who wants to inspect it because of my deeds. He says, you believe that there is one God? Good. He said, that's very good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder, which is true. You know, sometimes I believe, I believe, and we stop right there. And he says, well, you're in great company with a bunch of demons. I mean, that's what he's saying because demons know who Jesus is. Demons understand the power of Jesus. Demons understand their end. In the book of Mark, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. There's a man there filled with, with, with the demon a demon spirit, and he just cries out to Jesus. He just speaks to him. He just says, hey, Jesus, what are, what are you doing? We know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. He says, we, we know. Isn't it amazing that demons know what some people don't know? And demons understand and take it serious, and some people don't. There was another time where Jesus rode a boat ashore there, you know, in the Gadarean coastline, and, and a man came out. He was full of evil spirits, and he fell down. He worshiped Jesus, and the demon spirits, they shout out, and they say, why have you come to torment us before our time? He said, they even know that there's a time coming where they're going to be tormented completely. So if you just believe, and this is what James is saying, if you just believe with no works, then you're in the company of demon spirits. That's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> Friends with demons. Coffee with demons. Wouldn't that be something? So he goes on and he gives two illustrations here that we want to read and just kind of expound on. You just kind of see how it goes. He talks about Abraham, our father Abraham, considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Abraham is known as the father of faith. Abraham and Sarah, his wife, 
were promised a child that would bring generations of, of, of people. Abraham would be the father of many nations, but yet he's very old. His wife is very old, but God gives him a, a miracle son in, in Isaac. And then Isaac is growing up, and at a certain age, God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to offer Isaac on an altar. I want you to kill your son, the son of the promise. The whole life of Abraham laid on an altar. He did that. And right at the moment where he was about to kill the young man, God stopped him. And he said, now I know you have faith. Now I know you will obey. Now, and what he's saying here is that, yeah, you believed me. Yes, you did. But now you've proven that you believe me because our works prove that we have faith. And then he goes on and speaks about another person. He says, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. This is in the Old Testament where the children of Israel have come out of Egypt and now they're, they're poised on one side of the Jordan River. On the other side is the city of Jericho. And they're going to take that city. That's the first one they're going to take in the promised land. And so Joshua sends two spies out to spy out the place. And when they get there, people find out that they're there. They start looking for them. So this prostitute, Rahab, gets with these two spies, brings them in, and speaks to them. And this is what she said. She said, this place is shut up. Everybody's trembling because we have heard about the power of your God. We have heard what happened to you in Egypt. We've heard how the Red Sea was open. We understand the power of God. And then she begins to talk to them and say, when you come to take this city, because I believe you are going to take this city, when you come to take this city, would you spare me and my family? And then she hid them until the people that were looking for them left, and then she sent them out another way. They escaped back across the Jordan, back into the camp of the Israelites. It says that that was a righteous act. In other words, her faith, she believed that God was going to take the city, and then she acted upon it. And you know the amazing thing is? They told her, they said, take this scarlet thread tied in the window of your house, and when we come, when we see the scarlet thread, we're not going to kill you and your family. The wonderful thing about that is that's a type and shadow of Christ. When I see the scarlet thread, when I see the red, when I see the blood, I'm not going to judge you. It's just amazing how faith and action went together and proved. And then he goes on, he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So the question is this, is what is the condition of a person who has no works who has no deeds. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here we are, everybody who is a Christian, you know, are prepared to go to work. We're God's handiwork. No, we're working with God. And he's created us in Christ Jesus so that we would do good works. And he prepared those good works before the world ever began. So, you know, when we say we have faith, how many of you just love a hypocrite? How many love somebody who says, yeah, that's me, yeah, uh -huh, but they're lying, they're cheating, they're faking, they're playing. Nobody likes a hypocrite, huh? I mean, some of you might like a hypocrite. I'm not sure, but I don't like a hypocrite. You know what I mean? And some people think they're a hypocrite, and most people who feel bad and think they're a hypocrite, that proves that they're not a hypocrite. 
Because people who are a hypocrite do not say, I feel like I'm a hypocrite. They just be a hypocrite. And, and, so, and so the main question is, what about this works? Where does works fit in a believer's life? Because we're justified by faith, because we're, we're God's workmanship, we're working together with God, because my faith is expressed by things that I do outwardly. And so I know that, a, that, a per, that I'm not saved by works, but, but I will say this, a person's Works don't save them, but when a person gets saved, works should follow them. Are you getting that? I don't work to be saved. I work because I am saved. You got to get this. If you don't get anything else, get that because that will set you free. You know what I'm talking about? That will set you free. And so just a few questions we want to answer today. How's that? Like, for instance, what are good works? I'm sure you were thinking about that. And so I don't have a list of good works for you. I know you were waiting for a list of good works because we're, we're, that's the way we feel. We feel like, well, give me the list and then I will do the list. But God's into something much greater than that. I'm going to give you the definition of what I think good works is. I think good works are any action that is pleasing to God. Any action that's good that God says, that's good. Any action that God says, I'm pleased with that. And it, it's, it's, it varies. It's, it's a large spectrum uh, of good works. Uh, uh, so you say, well, well, how do I know if God's pleased with something? How, how are we going to know this? Well, I think, I think that we, we can know what's pleasing to God when we know God's will. When we know God's will. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 kind of sets the stage for this. He says, I don't want you to copy the behavior and customs of this world, but I want you to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So I'm telling you right now, I believe God's wanting to just turn your thinking just a little bit right now. Because if you've been thinking the same way for the last five years or the last 10 years and you haven't had any change in your thinking. In other words, if, if, if you hadn't had that thinking thing that just kind of like click to another gear, then you're not moving forward with God because God moves forward. He's a moving God. And so he says here, he says, change the way you think and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So knowing God's will, there's just not this list of good works. But there is this God we know, our God, our Father, who has a voice, who has a will, who speaks. And if we will give time enough to develop an ear to hear, and when you can hear God tell you to do something, and then you do it, he's going to be well pleased with it, and that's good works. That's good works. It could be almost anything. You have to hear, you want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it's not always that simple. Man, don't think that I'm standing up here telling you just sit quietly and you'll just hear, hear, hear. You, you've got to develop, well, you've got to want to hear. You've got to want to hear. You know when you've been married a long time, sometimes your spouse says something, you just don't hear them. I mean, you hear them, but you just don't hear them. Okay. Yeah. What? Huh? I, you know it's true. You know it's true. You've been married any time like two weeks. 
We always joke about marriage, but it's so true, isn't it? We are something up in the house. We really are. So good works come from the heart of God. We got to tie into the heart of God and see what happens. So where, where, do, they, where do they come from? What's the motivation? What, what, what motivates somebody to do good works? Where does it come from? Is it some magical potion that some get but some don't get? Did, was Jan and I somehow another chosen out from the multitude of people to serve? No, I don't think so. I, I think that our motivation, the origin of good works, comes from our union with Christ. I believe that's the key, union with Christ. That's why there's no list to it. In other words, when... We come together with Christ, and all of a sudden, something begins to happen that's just wonderful. It's like a relationship. See, in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, it was all about outward things. Everything was outward, man. Keep this day, keep this, do that, go here, don't go there, sit, stand, kneel, whatever, do this. And what it was to do, it was to bring an inward change, but, but God knew that it wouldn't work. That's why he brought the New Testament. See, God knew that the Old Testament, you read Hebrews, you, you, you read about that where it says if the old would have done what it needed to do, there would have been no need for the new. But there was a new because the old was seeking to show you outwardly for an inward change. But the New Testament comes in and does it totally opposite, does a switcheroo and says you have to do it from the inside so that you have an outward change. And that's why the religious leaders had such a problem with Jesus because they were so used to doing it the old way that when he came and said, I want to change the way you think, they said, we're not changing the way we think. This was good enough for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's good enough for us, but it was not. You see, in the Old Testament, the, the, there was circumcision of the flesh, a physical circumcision to show that you were a person of God. But in the New Testament, it was the circumcision of the heart, the hidden man. You see, in, in, the, in the New Testament, it, it was, in, in the Old Testament, it was tablets of stone, commandments were written on them, the Ten Commandments. But in the New Testament, the commands of God are written on our heart. Totally different. But so many people stick to the old and they want to change the person from the outside in. When God says, I'm not worried about the outside, I'm going for the inside and eventually it will manifest on the outside. When we came to Christ, Jan, I didn't change anything about our life on the outside you know, we still looked the same, did, you know, all that. But, man, when he came on the inside, eventually that inside began to work outwardly, and then outward changes begin to take place. That's why we need to give people a chance to change before we judge them. Jesus first, works come before, come after. It's union with Christ that produces this. So when I'm connected, when I'm integrated with Christ, when I'm in tune with him, when I'm obedient, when I'm subjected to Christ, change takes place. So what's the purpose of these good works? Why, why good works? I don't know why do I have to have, what is the purpose? What is it going to accomplish doing something good? I mean, you know, why have we got to do all that? I'm saved. I'm in church. I'm hearing the preaching. Eh, why well, I got to do all that? You know, that's how sometimes people think. But you know what? I think first of all, it's a, it's a love offering to God. I think that's the first thing. It's always about the Lord first, folks. Understand this? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Always God first. Everything we do now, we do as an offering to God. For nothing else than just a thankful heart. How many of you are thankful, honestly, that you've been forgiven, you know you've been forgiven, and you know you're on your way to eternity with Jesus. How many of you are thankful for that? I mean, I have a thankful heart. It's just, you know what I mean? Just, just I'm thankful, Lord. You, you bought me, and so I'm yours. So what do you want to do? I'm yours. I, I, I'll keep your commandments. You know, Jesus said this. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It just depends on how you read that. Because most people read it, well, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But I believe Jesus, honestly, I, 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 used to believe, I used to think that's the way it was. But now I think I've realized that what he really was saying was, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You see the difference? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. <laughs> Just to love God. To say, God, I'm with you. We're in this thing together. I think number two is that it, it ministered to the needs of fellow believers. I, I, I just believe that, you know, it, it, there are people who need help. And when we do good works for people, we can minister to fellow believers. I mean, that's what James said. He said, if somebody has a need and you can meet it, why not meet it? If somebody has a need. Why, you know, and by the way, most people who have a need need something because they did something that maybe they wasn't supposed to do. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? Or they didn't do what they should have done. They didn't manage this right. They didn't do that right. That's why they're in the mess they're in. And if you're looking for the perfect poor person who somehow or another has just had bad luck, who somehow or another just did everything perfect but the result was bad, and you're trying to find that one, there she is. The one who deserves my gift. I used to think that way. And now you know what it is. It's like, Jesus, where's your heart? Because I just want to find your heart. I'm going to give to that person. Did they abuse it? I don't know, Lord. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But if you say to bless them, I'm going to bless them. Because God might be doing ten different things at one time that we don't know about. And we, we have to understand that. I like what Titus said. Titus said this. said, our people must learn to do good. You got to learn to do good, folks. By meeting the urgent needs of others, then they will not be unproductive. You got to learn how to do things, folks. It might be awkward and weird to bless somebody. You don't even know how to do it. Well, just do it. You say, well, what if I mess up? You ain't going to mess up. How can you mess up when you're blessing somebody? Oh, I didn't do that right, so it didn't work. Oh, it'll work. Somebody needs $5, you give them $5, it works. It can be crumpled up in a little ball or in a nice envelope with a card. Buddy, it works. Number three, I think it helps people experience the love of God. Because people are experiencing a lot of stuff in life that's not the love of God. And so, you know what? The, the love and compassion of the Christian church, of Christians, you know, it, it's really a picture of the hands and feet of Jesus. It really is. When you, when you start thinking that when you move in these good deeds, that you're actually Jesus. I mean, you're the hands and feet of Jesus. And when you touch somebody, it's like Jesus touching them. They get to experience the love of God. 
Then, you know, you say, well, oh, I'm just going to pray and then God's going to do something supernatural. He does that. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The man and woman who came to our house 37 years ago on a rainy Tuesday night were selfless and gave up of their valuable time and drove 30 miles to our house to tell us that there was a better way to live in Christ than what we were doing. And because of that selfless act right there, we're here today doing what we do. And so don't ever think that, oh, well, the little bitty thing I'm doing is nothing. See, you think too little of yourself. Most of you do. Most of you feel like you don't have anything to offer. You feel like for some reason, you, you know, I, 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 don't, I can't make a difference. Nobody needs me. But I'm going to tell you something right now. There's always a need, and there's always a need for somebody to see a need and meet it. Always. Believe me, we're not short on needs. We can help people. I, I am astonished at what the church is doing in, in the world. When you really open up your eyes, you start seeing what the church is doing worldwide. It's astonishing. But then I also think, what would it be like if every believer, if every believer in every church served and gave? Just think about it with me for a moment. What we could do to propel the gospel forward. Because you know what? Our goal is to plant more campuses. Can I tell you what it takes to plan a campus? Are you ready? I call it the four M's. You need a man. You need music. You need money. And you need manpower. That's what you need to plan a campus. So when we say our vision is to plant more campuses and we all clap, patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. Roll them, roll them, roll them. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, yes, the kingdom of God needs to go forward. How is we going to do it? Reach more people for Jesus. How do we reach more people for Jesus? Our realm is we plant campuses. I believe you have a great opportunity right here sitting within this building right now to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Camping for Hope is coming up in a couple of weeks. We participate in it every year. You've heard the announcement, but let me really make an announcement. In the south lobby right here is where you want to bring your things that you buy from the store new to give to homeless people. Now, we're going to leave it open all week long, and you can bring it. That means you want to go to the store and you want to buy new socks, new underwear, new coats, things of that nature, and then you want to bring them and you want to give them to somebody who doesn't have that. Now, we've created that track to run on to do a good work. We've made it very simple for you to do that. The way we do that is this. I did it uh, Friday. I got in my car. I drove to the store. I put Brand new items in a basket. I'm being facetious. I put it in a basket, very sarcastic. I put it in a basket. I rolled that wickedly basket, had a flat tire, to the counter. I took out my credit card. I paid for it. I put it in a nice bag, and I brought it, and I put it on the floor in the south lobby. That's what you want to do. 
You want to do that this week. That's right. It will take your time. It will take your treasure. And you don't need talent. Okay? You just got to go do it. You understand? And you'll bless somebody uh, and help them. It'll be great. And then I think also uh, good works help people find God, which is our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is not just to give things away, folks. Not at all. Our ultimate goal is to help people find God. But in order to do that, sometimes we meet physical needs. And when we do that, Jesus, he broke the bread and the fish and he fed the multitudes. And I believe out of that, many people believe. Now, some people didn't. And Jesus confronted that and he said, oh, you just want the fish and the bread. But there were other people who, guess what? They became followers of Jesus. And that's our whole goal is we want people to follow Jesus. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said it best. He said, let your light shine before others that they may see. They're going to see. People must see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. So here's the question that we've got to ask ourselves. Here's the question that you want to ask yourselves. You ready? You ready for your question? Ask yourself What are my good works? Just ask yourself that. What are my good works? Examine yourself and see if there's any good works. Because actions, actions prove whether or not I'm a consumer or a contributor. Now, we're all consumers. Let's get real, right? I mean, and that's okay to be a consumer. But in the church, being just a consumer is out of balance. You want to be a contributor also. Come on now, isn't that right? How many of you are glad people contribute to the local church? Come on, clap if you're glad. Absolutely. I'm glad. I'm glad that somebody contributed and that, and that we have what we have and we're able to do what we do in communities and even around the world. I'm glad, but it took people to be contributors. Another question you need to ask you is, what I'm doing, is it causing the kingdom of God to advance? Am I helping advance the kingdom of God? You see, the kingdom of God being advanced is not just about me or the staff pastors trying somehow or another to drive this wagon train across the desert to bless somebody. It's all about all of us. You know, we are all members one of another. And some people think, well, it doesn't matter. It goes on without me. Well, of course, it has to go on. I like what we're saying. It's an unstoppable God. He's unstoppable. His kingdom goes on and on. I was just shouting every generation, Lord, from generation to generation. So that's right. I cannot do anything and God's going to continue. But I believe that I want to do something with God. I believe I want to do that. I believe I want to surrender my time. And I, think, I think I want to do that. I, I think that in this holiday season, I need to kind of look and decide whether or not I'm going to be a giver or a taker. I think that there's three ways you can give. You can give out of your abundance, and that's okay. Don't, if you've got an abundance and you give out of that, praise God. But you can give out of your need. You cannot have a lot and still be a giver. But watch this. You can give out of your want. And in this Christmas season, your want is, uh, what do we say? What do you Want for Christmas? What if we took our want for Christmas and we flipped it and instead of receiving what we want, 
We gave in our want. Oh, Lord, crank it up. <laughs> Come on, Long Beach. Just a, Oh, that was hard. That was hard because you're thinking and you're saying, I wanted those Bose Bluetooth noise-canceling earphones. Why don't you just flip that and give that to somebody else? Not the earphones, the value, because most people you're going to bless could care less about Bluetooth noise-canceling earphones that I'm aware on the plane when I fly but you flip that. Now you say, is that a challenge? Well, it could be. I don't know. Give out of your want. See if at the end of the day, you don't feel more blessed and empowered than before. Now, let me close with this verse of scripture, these verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because Paul sets it all in order. He said, because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. He's just talking about what he's doing, his work. He was called to plant churches. Some of you are not. Now, others are building on it. They're building on this foundation. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very, very careful, very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already that's been laid, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. And really, he's talking about I've planted churches. I brought the gospel, and people are building on that. And the foundation is Jesus Christ. You can't do anything else. That's the initial interpretation. But the, the broad application of this is that we're all builders. And we're all building something. We're all building on some kind of foundation. And with certain kinds of materials, we're building. Now that we're saved, we're building certain things with certain kinds of materials. He said, but on the, on the judgment day, on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. What is God trying to tell us here? What he's trying to tell us is that now that we've been saved, and, and I'm speaking to Christians now, and we're in this new life, that we're building a life, a legacy. And there's coming a day where every one of us in this room Every one of us is going to stand alone in front of Jesus Christ and give account of the deeds that you have done in your body. That's a sobering fact. It's not going to be like what's going on right now where Pastor Van is speaking and bringing the word to you where you can Yay or nay, accept, reject, kind of dodge the ball. Boy, he threw point one. I dodged that ball. Come oh, on, man. Or oh, maybe well, point two is like, whoa, man. Oh, he almost got me on that one. This one's going to be a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the all-seeing, all-knowing one. And he's going to say, give account 
to what you've done in your body. He's going to test our works by fire. And if it survives, I get a reward. And if it doesn't, I make it in. But like a man who walked through a wall of fire, you can imagine what that looks like. And some people may be satisfied to enter the kingdom of God burned up. But I don't think that's what you really, really want. Maybe on that day when we do that, we will regret when we had the chance to really be a blessing. So the scripture teaches us that all of us will give account personally to Jesus, who is the judge, the king, and the Lord. And so it's very important that we decide today, or at least that we think about it, that at least we give God a few moments of thought about what direction our life is going in and whether or not we want to be co-laborers together with him and do something great for the kingdom of God. I tell young people sometimes, they're, they're doing certain things, I, says, I, I, I say, why don't you leave that and let me and you go do something great for God? Why don't you put that pursuit on the side? Let's go do something great for God. Because they've got great abilities, great talents that can be used for the kingdom of God to sweep people into the kingdom. Whereby using it for something else, eh, might be something. Good works. Faith expressed. Let's bow our heads together. Long Beach, bow your heads together with us if you don't mind. I just want you to take a moment. Would you just kind of discipline your thoughts for just a moment and think about what we talked about here. Think about what is God speaking to you? Where do you stand when it comes to work, serving, giving, these things? Where, where do you really? Outside, even outside of the church. You know, we, we create things inside the church to help you get motivated. But what about out, in your own personal life, in your neighborhood, on your job, at your school? Where are you at in these things? Where are you? And I'm going to ask God to help us to be people who do the works that were prepared for us by him from the foundation of the world. Father, in Jesus' name, because Jesus died on the cross for us and God bought us and now we're in union with him, I'm asking you to stir our hearts, God. We're submitting our will to you. Lord, you have our hearts, but it's our will that gets in the way. Will you deal with our will, Lord, and let us be a great help to others? Convict us, God. Convict us if we're not moving in your will, doing things that are pleasing to you. We want to honor you with our life, God. Teach the church at a deeper level how to do that. We receive it in the name of Jesus. While you're keeping your eyes closed and your head bowed, I just want to talk just briefly to those of you who maybe, you know, you say, well, I've never extended, extended faith. I've never really saw it this way, that, that I have to, you know, have faith in God so that I can experience his grace to be saved. And some of you, you're just trying to work your way, get better, get good. And that might be why you're in this place today thinking, man, if I go back to church, maybe I can... You know, somehow another God will see it and, and it'll be good. Well, why don't you just come to God just like you are? 
That's what Janet and I did. We just came just like we were, just, well, we kind of messed up, just, you know, misdirected. But if that's you and you say, Pastor Van, I really, truly want to give my heart to God. I want to start this great relationship with him. I'm just going to ask you to do one simple thing. I'm going to pray for you, pray with you right where you are. Just shoot your hand up just real quick. Just put it down. Just say, me, I want that in my life. Right now, thank you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, thank you. I want that in my life. I just want it. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. That's what I want. So many people just been created to serve God and because of all kinds of things we're just lost and undone. Some of you have been afraid to raise your hand in, in a room. Don't worry about that. Just open your heart because God sees the heart. Let's pray together right now. And when you do, God will hear you and he will answer you. And he will begin to change your life. Doesn't matter how young you are or how old. Just pray with me. Say, Father in heaven, I just thank you right now that you love me enough to send Jesus to die for my sins. I repent of those sins, Lord God, and misdirection of my life and I just ask you Lord to receive me into your family make me a, a real person the person you, you always wanted me to be God I surrender right now my will my life everything I am I give to you and I thank you Lord God for loving me and changing me and making me the person you want me to be in Jesus name amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for those who prayed. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.